Good evening, and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program, sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Hello and thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program with our host, Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah. I'm the Ministry Assistant at Heritage, and we are coming to you live this first Sunday of December as we enter the Christmas season. Tonight, if you want to be part of our conversation or if you would like prayer, as always, you can give us a call at 929-333-3739. We have call screeners standing by ready to take your phone calls. Pastor Matt, so we started singing Christmas music this morning in service, and I was thinking about what is your favorite Christmas song? I think my favorite Christmas song is Hark the Herald Angels Sing because of the doctrinal content of it. Uh And I remember when I became first saved Mm -hmm. and singing that in church as a Christian for the first time. Mm. And it it just exploded my brain because Mm -hmm. I had sung that song you know, as a child yeah, growing up. And never paid attention to that. I had no clue what the song was about. I'm like, wow, this is the gospel in the yeah. song, so clear and plain. Yeah. You know, that he came to raise the sons of earth and mm-hmm. to give us a second birth. Yeah. I never knew that, mm. but it was right there. Yeah. And I just was amazed at how blind I was. Yeah. I you know, think so that, yeah, that's interesting with Christmas songs. I think it's pretty common where people are just singing. I mean, you think about the secular spaces in, in the city and they're singing about Israel and Bethlehem and, and people don't even think about it. I know some people who are unsaved who love to go to the Handel's Messiah, which is just full of the gospel yeah. and full of God's work. Mm-hmm. And um, what, what about you, Micah? Jingle bells. That's my favorite. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Because uh, of its deep doctrinal content. No. Uh, I love Oh Holy Night. I love yeah. Mary, Did You Know? I, I love so many of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's great to have have Dr. Esther Hahn back with us in the studio. Thank you. And I just wanted to add, Pastor, this is actually our third, um, our fourth year. Fourth um, year. Oh, anniversary. Start, it's our oh. anniversary. So I, I started 2020, the first week in December. Wow. So, so this is the beginning of our fourth year. The beginning of our fourth year. I forgot to tell you guys. Wow. Before. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. <laughs> well, thank you for all your hard work every week. Uh, you're here and providing call screeners and doing My a pleasure. great job, Dr. Hahn. What's your favorite Christmas song? I was just thinking about that. I think it's Joy to the World. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and it's great to have Sister Yvonne back with us. Hello, everyone. Yeah, I hear you didn't get much sleep. You were studying so hard <laughs> last night. God knows I was up until 3.30. Yes, I was. Yes. Do you have a favorite Christmas song, since um, we're asking? Silent Night. Oh, Silent Night. Mm, yeah. Oh, that's a good silent night. That is, that's yeah. awesome. That's mm-hmm. a beautiful song. Mm-hmm. Okay. Actually, there's that other song with... It has the first stanza. I don't know if we're going to be able to come up with it now. Uh, but you do. Um, Which one? Uh, I'll, I'll come up with it. <laughs> At the break, Pastor. Okay. So we are going to look in Romans chapter 9 tonight, dear friends. And we're going to talk about such an important passage of Scripture as Romans 9, 10, and 11 deal with Israel. Romans 9 with Israel's past. Romans 10 with Israel's present. Romans 11 with Israel's future. And Romans 9, Paul is really going to get into this question. Has 
Israel's national rejection of Jesus as the Messiah caused God's word to fail. Has God's word been of none effect is the word he uses here in Romans chapter 9, verse 6, because Israel has not nationally believed in Christ. And so we want to look at this this evening. It's a, it's a very important question as we get into Romans chapter 9. So we'll begin reading. Micah, if you could please start us off in verse 6 of Romans chapter 9. Yes, Romans 9, 6. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect. For they are not all Israel, which are of Israel, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children. But in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Verse 8. That is they which are the children of the flesh. These are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah will have a son. Verse 10. And not only this. But when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to the election might stand, not for works, but of him who calls. It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just um, come to you, Lord, with this passage that is not easy. It is a difficult one, Lord. And so we just ask you, Lord, to fill us with your spirit as we discuss it and have a conversation, Lord, that will, as always, Lord, bless our listeners out there, God. And we just pray, Lord, that um, this conversation, God, would shed light on the truth of your word, your scripture. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So has Israel's rejection caused God's word to fail? That's the question that Paul is dealing with in this passage of scripture. In other words, if the message of Jesus Christ is true, if mm-hmm. Jesus is the Messiah to all people, and first to the Jew, because mm-hmm. that's what he said in Romans one sixteen, yeah. that the gospel is the power of God to the Jew first, then how come they have rejected it? Mm-hmm. And not just in the first century, but for the past 2,000 years. Although Jewish people have been saved and are always being saved, just a remnant of Jewish people are being saved. So the question is, if if the Old Testament or the Jewish Scripture teaches that Jesus is the Messiah, how come after 2,000 years even, Jewish people's eyes have not been opened up mm-hmm. to see that, oh, wait a minute, we missed this. Mm-hmm. It really is Jesus. So this is an important question for us because, yeah. you know, when Jewish people are saved, they are beat up by their family. They're like, how could you become a Christian? Mm-hmm. It is traitorous. It is a betrayal of being Jewish to become a Christian. And they are really persecuted very often mm-hmm. by their family mm-hmm. for their faith in Jesus Christ. So the question is, as well with that, in addition, has the rejection of Christ by the Jewish people, has it caused them to lose their status as God's chosen people? Does God still have a plan for Israel? Have have Israel sinned away God's purposes for them? And so these are interesting questions. We hope that you'll find blessing in them as we get into it tonight. Our phone number is 929-333-3739, dear friends. 
And so, this evening we want to focus as well on one of the great mysteries of life, if those questions weren't great questions, Mm -hmm. but then we come into Romans 9, and especially in this chapter, and next week we'll get into it even further, but the great mysteries regarding election, Mm -hmm. and uh, those who can be saved. And while we can never fully understand the depths of God's wisdom, his ways are unsearchable, his ways are past finding out. Paul even concludes this section of Romans with those words. His ways are past finding out. And while we may not be able to fully understand all of uh, God's purposes and, and understanding election, we're here to say tonight what Paul says in Romans chapter 9, and verse 11, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand. Mm. You know what that word stand is, by the way? No. Mm-mm. It's one of the Apostle John's favorite words. It's the word abide. Mm. And it's the only mm-hmm. time that word, meno, it's the, the Greek word meno, mm. which is most often translated abide. It's the same word in John 15, abide in me and I in you. Oh, wow. It's that word, that the word of God that that God's word, according to election, mm-hmm. might abide. Mm. That is, his word and promises will continue no matter what Israel does. Mm. His word regarding election and his purposes in life will stand, will continue, will remain. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, but sometimes we've all struggled with doctrine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I thought a good way to start our program off tonight is really just to ask, have you ever been confused by a doctrine, maybe the doctrine of election in particular, or maybe some other doctrine in general? And Michael, why don't you start us off on this? If you've ever, what, what doctrine maybe have you had to really struggle with and mm-hmm. wrestle with that maybe brought a little bit of consternation to your soul. Yeah. Well, I think I do think it's interesting because I have had many, many conversations with people who struggle with election and, you know, whether you're are you supposed to be a Calvinist? Do we believe like them? But that to me, you know, hasn't been one of my big struggles. I would say, you know, several years ago I spent a solid six months doing research on the New Testament gifts of the Spirit. And the reason I did that was because I have some really good friends who go to, you know, Pentecostal charismatic type churches And I know that they love Jesus, but when I would go and visit their churches, I always left feeling that some of what I saw was not biblical, but I didn't have the grounding to understand why. So I wanted to understand it, and I felt somewhat uncomfortable oftentimes in those services. I would, you know, so I wanted the biblical perspective on the certain gifts which they were practicing and promoting. You know, in the end, I actually wrote up a multi-page document that I've shared with people, and I've referenced it myself many times. Um, And I would say it wasn't a fun process per se, but it was well worth it for me because now I feel confident in my conclusions because I used the Bible as my text. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great that you did that personal study. And you you had some understanding, but through your study, did you arrive at the same general conclusions you had before your study, would you say? Or yeah. did you have any any major differences that... Uh, uh, no, I just... You know what? When, when I started walking with God again, you know, following really hard after God, I was just like... I was very open, you know, because I guess spiritually, without realizing it, I had been very closed for a long time. So I'm like... I'm very open. So I think God let me go through... a number of years where he he wasn't 
you know, hitting me over the head with the doctrine, even though that's important. It was just like, okay, just yeah. love God. Go to multiple church services yeah. on Sunday. Go to, you know, Christian performances and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't so much about drilling down on the specifics, but there was like a moment where, boom, okay, focus on this now because I, w- I need you to understand yeah. no, that's what's good. true. And that's a great testimony and a great example for our callers as well. If you're, st- st- uh, you know, kind of searching and maybe confused about a particular doctrine, just do a personal study on it. Yeah. Or if you even want us to pray with you, we're here to pray with you. I encourage you tonight at 929-333-3739. Yvonne, what, mm-hmm. what about yourself on this? Oh, I was, oh, oh I, I'm still struggling over um, Romans 8.28. <laughs> okay, because yeah. yeah. I will tell you the truth. Sometimes I just struggle, okay, yeah. and when it says that we know that for all those who love God, all things work together for good. Mm-hmm. Now, when I think about that, I was like, okay, but I'm struggling so bad. How could this be his purpose for me? Mm-hmm. But I'm finite, right? Mm-hmm. So I could only think oh, a little bit. But he already knows my plan. So I just have to trust him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. That's what I have to do is just trust. And yeah. he's going to work it out. But really, too, mm-hmm. Yvonne, one of the great reasons why people are atheists is mm-hmm. because they don't believe that everything that happens is going to work out for good. They're right. like, how can a loving, powerful right. God allow these terrible things and wars and bloodshed right. That's what and, and exactly. injustice? Yeah, so mm-hmm. so that is a big struggle. Mm-hmm. Romans eight twenty eight. Mm-hmm. People do struggle with mm-hmm. that, and that's a verse that mm-hmm. is so loved, but yet we have to wrestle over. Mm-hmm. That's great, Sister uh, Esther. What do you, what's your struggle that you've had over a particular doctrine so actually um, personally i've been actually confused with evangelism and this concept of election which is today's topic so mm-hmm. appropriate mm. so when i was younger attending summer school uh, sunday school sunday school on a regular basis i was taught that it was important to share the gospel mm-hmm. so i would share with unbelieving classmates in high school and in college and one of my friends from high school, it took her 10 years to become saved, right? Mm-hmm. Because she argued. And so many people shared the gospel with her and over multiple years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that was me back then. But then postgraduate school, I attended a new church. And they seem to emphasize that as long as Christians live a countercultural life, um, God will bring those who see you living that life to a place of salvation. So not necessarily sharing verbally the, the gospel message. Mm. Um, there wasn't a push to actively evangelize or even disciple folks after they were saved. Mm. So I was sitting there kind of confused, a little, like you said before, a little bit of consternation. Um, but eventually I got to a point where, okay, I just accepted it. And then I didn't share the gospel actively, especially as I entered professional life. And after coming to Heritage and taking some HDI classes, our Heritage Discipleship Institute classes, I came to see that, oh, okay, this is maybe a more Calvinist approach. And then I came to see that, okay, back then, I probably just didn't agree with that approach. And that's why it was bothering me. Mm. And, you know, now, like, I'm, I'm trying to figure out more ways to evangelize more actively. But surely I'm not that useful person who just like oh but i want my friend to go to heaven so mm-hmm. like that I'm, I'm not there yet anymore but yeah yeah, yeah try well well you know i believe that in our christian life we're going to always be struggling in some sense to have a fuller and better understanding of various doctrines mm-hmm. i mean this past week i had jehovah witnesses knock on my door and of course they're s- struggling with the deity of jesus christ and I just challenge them to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, because this is where salvation is at stake. So, dear friends, if you're struggling with the deity of Christ, or, of course, Jewish people struggle with the Trinity, and mm-hmm. they they cannot understand, or, or Muslims.
Muslims struggle with the Trinity. And so, dear friends, these are there are certain doctrines, like spiritual gifts is not going to affect your salvation. Mm-hmm. But what you believe of the person of Christ, what you believe of the triunity of God, mm-hmm. these things are going to affect your salvation. And so believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, if we could help answer any questions, pray with you tonight. Call us right now at 929-333-3739. So what we want to do now is get into this passage, beginning at Romans chapter 9, verse number 6. And Lord willing, we're going to get down to verse 13 tonight as we look at this passage. And really, again, the big theme is this. Has Israel's rejection caused God's word to fail. This phrase in verse number six, it says, not as though the word of God have taken none effect. None effect means that just because the natural born children of Abraham was saved, it it doesn't mean that all the natural born children of Abraham had to be saved because they weren't. Mm -hmm. And so God's word had not failed in the days of Abraham, and it hasn't failed in the days of Paul, and it hasn't failed in our days either. Now, hath taken none effect. That word is actually used multiple times in Acts chapter 27 of the the ship, the shipwreck story Mm -hmm. in Acts 27, where Mm -hmm. the ship got blown off course. And so that's the idea of taken none effect. In other words, has God's plan been blown off course? Mm-hmm. <laughs> has God's plan, and that, and the root of that word is is the idea of is of the house on the sand that crashes. Hmm. In other words, will God's word crash and burn? If all Israel isn't saved today, if hmm. national Israel does not come to Christ, yeah. and so Paul's saying this. It's no, God's word has not failed. It has not blown off course. It has not crashed. It is still the word of God. Mm. So what what is the point from your understanding, Micah, that Paul is making from this passage as well in verses 6 as well as in verse 7 of Romans chapter 9? Yeah, well, when Paul says that not all of the seed of Abraham are children of Abraham, his main point, I think, is that physical descendants are not the same as spiritual descendants. So, Scripture tells us that Abraham had eight biological sons in total. There was Ishmael, whose mother was Hagar, the Egyptian handmaid. There was Isaac, of course, the son of Sarah. And then there were also six more sons listed in Genesis 25, who Abraham fathered after Sarah died by a wife named Keturah. And seven, which is the majority of Abraham's eight biological sons, they were not the chosen seed that God was going to work through to bless the whole world. Only Isaac was called. And so Paul is illustrating this point that in the same way that not all of Abraham's biological sons were his spiritually chosen children, so there are many natural-born Israelites, sons of Abraham, if you will, who would not become saved. So yet... You know, this wasn't because God's word had failed or taken an effect, as you've mentioned, or because God wasn't keeping his promises to Israel. We just have to remember that, you know, the very first Christians, they were Jewish. You know, all the apostles, uh, the women, all those gathered in the upper room and probably mm. almost all of the 3000 saved in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. So although it grieved Paul that not all of his fellow Jews would be saved, God's promises were secure and God would always have a remnant within the seed of Abraham, ones 
that we're not only the physical descendants, but also the spiritual descendants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting, though, as well, that he brings up the name Israel in verse 6, mm-hmm. and then relating it to the seed of Abraham, mm-hmm. because they're not because they are not the seed of Abraham, are they all children? For they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Of course, Israel was Jacob. <laughs> but he's using here the nation of Abraham, which is going to come out of from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. Uh-huh. But when he says they are not all Israel, uh-huh. which are of Israel, what I, I believe he's saying, they're just because they are, as you well said, the the natural seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, mm-hmm. are they truly children of God? Mm-hmm. And and he's saying that just because they're naturally born children of, of Isaac mm-hmm. and of Jacob and are Israelites, they don't live up to the name. Mm-hmm. And it, and it kind of reminds us back what Paul said in Romans chapter 2 when he says he is not a Jew which is one outwardly, Mm -hmm. neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh, but he that is a Jew, which is one inwardly. In other words, a Jew being one who lives to praise God. Mm -hmm. In other words, living up to the name of praise. Or Israel, living up to the name of Prince of God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just because of of somebody's natural descent, it doesn't mean they're spiritual children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would just mention, uh, when I went to Israel... In 2015, I remember being so shocked. I mean, this is something I'll never forget. When one of our tour guides, who is Jewish, told us about how when he was growing up in school, they told them that the Bible was like their Jewish mythology. There, it was like it was fairy tales. It was mythology. So this is in Israel, and it's in the school system in Israel. So even you know when when we think of you know no, not all the people of Israel are following Jesus. Well, they're not even all following God. You know, mm-hmm. and in fact, the secular majority are not even following the Jewish God. Yeah. And j- just think of two. You know, what I'm thinking is like, if you were Jewish, 2,000 years, as I said, has passed, and still national Israel has not come to recognize that Jesus Christ is the Messiah promised in their scripture. Mm-hmm. And now here's a church today made up of predominantly Gentiles. Yeah. <laughs> and we're telling them that their scripture tells them that this Messiah is Jesus. Why should they really listen to us? Mm-hmm. In some, in some, we're, how, why should a bunch of Gentiles tell people who have been studying the Old Testament scriptures or their Tanakh mm-hmm. for hundreds of years, how can we have authority to tell them what their scriptures is saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I'm just looking at it from, from their, their perspective. From yeah. their perspective. Mm-hmm. And so... That's what Paul is dealing with here, is that just because national Israel has not put their faith and trust and understood that Jesus is the Messiah, it doesn't mean that God's word has failed or that his purposes that are good mm-hmm. have blown off course, Yvonne, as you mm-hmm. said earlier. Right. So what are some other examples, even in God's word, of God's word not failing because not all Abraham's children were believers in the promise of the coming Messiah. In other words, in the Old Testament, did all the Jewish people believe all the time? Uh, Yvonne, why don't we start with you on this? What's an example of not all of Abraham's children believing in the promise of, mm-hmm. of God or mm-hmm. the word of God? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go to Moses. When Moses went up to the mountain in uh, Exodus 32, 1. Mm-hmm. So Moses was up in the mountain talking with God, yeah. getting his Ten Commandments, uh-huh. right? Yeah. But 
down with all the rest of the Israelites, what do they say? They say, Moses is taking too long, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I love it when it says, the man who brought us up out of the lands of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. I'm thinking when I read that, since, you know, I, you said that I was up till 3.30 in the morning <laughs> doing this. I'm like, I, I talked to God just like this. Didn't they see the pillar of fire at night and the cloud during the day mm-hmm. while they were traveling? Didn't yeah. they see that? Yeah. Right? And immediately they went right back into idolatry and worshipped the golden calf. Mm-hmm. That Aaron yeah. said, it just popped up out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and then... I mean, you're, so you're talking about the leadership of Aaron and basically the entire nation mm-hmm. as Moses and Joshua were up there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. They guess, I guess they forgot. I'm not sure. <laughs> and then... Um, what else? Um, they went, oh, yes, they went to the wilderness for 40 years. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and what happened to them and, there? And there, how many people passed away during that time? Mm. A lot, right? Because of their <laughs> sin and their unbelief. Yes. <laughs> this is how I speak to That's God. That's an understatement. That's an understatement. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. So, except Joshua and Caleb. Yeah. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And in Numbers 14, that's in Numbers 14, 8 through 9. Um, the people again rebelled against God's plan, yeah. right? And the, those o- those two, Joshua and Caleb, were the only ones that told the people to stop, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To listen to God. Mm-hmm. And even though what's amazing to me is, uh, even though they kept on falling back and falling back, God's plan didn't change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. They had yeah. the calf. They took the woman took off their earrings. They did all this stuff, but God's plan was not going to change, That's regardless right. of what the the Israelites wanted. Mm-hmm. God's plan wasn't going to agree with them mm-hmm. because His purpose, as it says in a twenty eight, He knows what's the purpose for us. Yeah, yeah. Right? Amen. And you know what's amazing too is in that incident of the golden calf, mm-hmm. God was so done with Israel. He was telling Moses, Moses, I'm just going to wipe them I'm out. I'm going to take them out. And <laughs> yes. I'm going to start making, I'll make a new nation mm-hmm. and you could be the new right. head of the nation. And, and, and Moses interceded for right. Israel mm-hmm. that God would not do that incredibly. Right. And God listened to Moses mm-hmm. and answered his prayer. Yeah. But And the point is, is that Israel's idolatry did mm-hmm. not cause God's word to fail. It didn't, it didn't prevent the Messiah from mm-hmm. coming forth from right. Israel. It didn't prevent the word of God from mm-hmm. being written mm-hmm. through this nation mm-hmm. and all the other promises of, of a nation, of giving them a land, of giving mm-hmm. them a king. So what's another example of this as well, Dr. Hahn? So similarly, I love that example, um, it can be seen in the ministry of the prophet Elijah in First Kings, where he felt he was all alone, mm-hmm. and st- he was the only one standing up for God. He lamented multiple times in this book, like he would repeat over and over, I, even I only am left. So mm-hmm. Elijah felt alone in evil times when uh, many of his fellow Israelites worshipped Baal. Yeah. But he was wrong. He was not alone. As God says to Elijah in 1 Kings nineteen eighteen. Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees which have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which has not kissed him. Um, so God's word of promise that he would not forsake Israel um, is unfailing in this small remnant who still believed and worshipped God. So kind of like what Yvonne mm-hmm. said, right? There's this yeah. little remnant. Right. And God said, yeah, I'm going to use them. And despite Israel's continued unbelief, right, it kept going, subsequent rebellion, they eventually mm-hmm. got, 
you know, became went into captivity, mm-hmm. God still had a future for Israel mm-hmm. despite their unfaithful that right. faithlessness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And God's plan to save the world through Jesus the Messiah is not thwarted, and Israel's faithlessness shouldn't be therefore a reason to doubt God's word, his promises or his plans for his people. Because because not everyone believes should not be a reason to think or doubt that God's word has failed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right. important for us even now. Today. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, there might be those around us that don't believe, but that doesn't mean that God's not working. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. And God is able, and he, we'll get into this in Romans 11, God is able to graft Israel in again because they are at root his people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Micah? Yeah, I'm just listening to the two ladies speak. It's surprising when you really drill down into the Old Testament and you naturally come to the conclusion that in Israel, most of the time, most of the people rejected God. You know, we see this from the very beginning, as Yvonne mentioned, through the kings yeah. and the monarchy mm-hmm. and the exile. Um, and then even that time in between, we're studying the book of Judges in our men's Bible study, Iron Sharpens Iron, and it's this period of almost 400 years between Israel's great leaders, Moses and Joshua, and then their first king. And all the scholars, they agree that the theme of this time period in the Bible is Judges 21:25, which says, in those days there was no king in Israel, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So at the time when Israel was supposed to have God as their king, the vast majority refused to be ruled by him. Again, yeah. this rejection, it's what Paul's writing about. It's nothing new. That's right. It is nothing new. And dear friends, let's bring it home to ourselves. Maybe you're living, as Micah just mentioned, during the time of Judges, just doing what's right in your own eyes. Or maybe you're living like Israel when Moses is up on the mountain, living in some form of idolatry and immorality as Israel worshiping around the golden calf. Or maybe you're living like the Israelites in the days of Elijah, worshiping false gods. But you're listening to our voice tonight, and we're here to say that Jesus Christ is the Lord of glory. He came to earth. He died on the cross. He rose again. He's alive. He's the Savior of the world, and he can save you, dear friends. Maybe you have wandered, but your rebellion, your wandering away from God, will not make the Word of God of none effect. God's Word is still powerful. You cannot cause God's purposes to blow off course. You get back in line with the purposes of God, dear friends. And so can we pray with you tonight? Someone under the sound of my voice, you've gotten away from God. You've gotten into idolatry or immorality, unbelief, doing your own thing. I'm talking to you tonight, and I really want to encourage you. Let us talk to you. Let us pray with you. Please, one right now, give us a call at 929-333-3739. And we're going to go to a beautiful song of God's love, because... No matter what Israel has done, God still loves his people Israel. Mm -hmm. And God has not cast away his people. And dear friends, no matter what you have done, God still loves you. And he says, come unto me, and I will save you. I will give you rest. Give us a call now, 929-333-3739. Enjoy the beautiful song, How Deep the Father's Love. How deep the Father's love for us How vast beyond all measure That He would give His only Son To make this wretch His treasure 
how great the pain of searing loss. The Father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. friends, his wounds paid for your deliverance. So call upon Jesus. You know, and here's another thing that's amazing about this passage. Hmm. In Romans, in the passage we're looking at in chapter 9, where God told Abraham, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Hmm. And he Hmm. said that, that's a quote from Genesis chapter Hmm. 21, when Ishmael was mocking Isaac, and Sarah said, Abraham, get rid of that boy. You know? <laughs> He's going to ruin our house. <laughs> and Abraham was broken because Abraham loved his son Ishmael. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was not the first time that God had told Abraham this. Mm. In other words, God has a plan, and his plan 
is not going to be thwarted by man. Mm -hmm. And God has a plan with Israel. And just because Israel doesn't believe today, Mm -hmm. their unbelief is not going to thwart God's plan. Mm -hmm. In fact, God had told Abraham earlier when Sarah wasn't conceiving on his time schedule. Mm -hmm. And remember, Abraham was like begging God, God, please let the (laughs) promise come through Ishmael, please. Mm -hmm. And God said, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to call your son now is going to be called Isaac laughter because mm-hmm. you're 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 making me laugh about this you know? <laughs> basically. So it's just amazing is that God's plan is not going to be blown off course. Mm-hmm. His word okay. is not going to ever have no effect. His word will come to pass, mm-hmm. dear friends, and that's why we say stand true in these days and believe and follow God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So, Micah, we come into verses 8 and 9 now, Mm -hmm. and Paul shows us that the children of God are children who are born by the promises of God. Mm -hmm. And so Paul quotes God's promise relating to Isaac in Romans chapter 9, verse 9, and here he's quoting from Genesis chapter 18, 10, that the children of the promise are counted for the seed. And at this time will I come, Sarah shall have a son. So in other words, Isaac was this child of promise. So in what way, how does this relate as well to us today being like Isaac of all children of promise? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Isaac, he was the son of promise, and he was also a miracle child. And we remember the story well. Of course, you've been talking about it. Um, but God told Abram, he said, you know, you're going to have a child with your wife. And it's the seed that's eventually going to bless the whole world, even though Abram's wife was barren. And at this, this point, she was older. But then the couple even waited 25 more years. And although they made some mistakes along the way, eventually through faith, as Hebrew tells us, they overcame impossible odds and finally brought Isaac into the world. And although we don't know how much Abraham knew as far as specifics, I believe he understood that God would one day bring the Messiah to earth through his family. And so I just think Mm -hmm. in a similar way, believers today become children of the promise through faith and through a miracle. You know, each individual person that comes Mm -hmm. to Christ believing in the Messiah that came through Abraham, they've overcome impossible odds. They are living in a fallen world. They're mm-hmm. surrounded by temptation. They're surrounded by the deceit of the devil. And it really is a miracle each and every time somebody believes in God, mm-hmm. believes in Jesus mm-hmm. Christ as their Savior. Right. And in Galatians chapter 4 as well, and this whole idea of Isaac being the child of promises, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. And so the point is is that Isaac was the child that God promised. God never promised that the seed was going to come through the handmaid Hagar. And Isaac was a miracle, as you well said there, Mike. And I love how Paul then, in Galatians chapter 4, even then says that we, as Isaac was, are the children of of promise, mm-hmm. which is amazing because we are born of a miracle. Yeah. We are born again mm-hmm. of the Holy Spirit. And that is a miracle every time yeah. mm-hmm. it, it happens. We are the children of the promise. In other words, too, we believe in the promise mm-hmm. of who Jesus is, that he had been promised in the Old Testament. He fulfilled that promise and he's coming again. We believe in that promise mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And 
And the, 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 the correlation to that is Ishmael. What was his relationship to that promise? He was a mocker. Mm, right. And that's what Galatians chapter 4, where it talks about how Ishmael persecuted mm-hmm. Isaac. Mm-hmm. And the children of the flesh persecute the children of the promise. Mm-hmm. So, dear friends, here's the, here's the point I'm making. Are you a child of promise who believes in the promise? Or are you a child of the flesh who mocks the promises of God. Mm-hmm. And because we are living in a world mm-hmm. more and more where God's word is going to be mocked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mentioned this morning in my message mm-hmm. a very popular show on a cable channel, Bill Maher. Mm-hmm. And this guy is really blasphemous against God. He's mm-hmm. an atheist. Yeah. And he, he basically called the Bible a book of conspiracy theories that is a book of homo, that is a homophobic book of conspiracy theories. Mm. That is awful mockery. Yeah. And yet people mm-hmm. laugh at him and watch his show. And he is adored by the elites of our society. Mm-hmm. This is the world we're living in. Mm-hmm. And that's Isaac. That's Ishmael. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the mock. Right. Yeah. And we have to be the children of promise, mm-hmm. dear friends, to love the Lord, mm-hmm. love the Word of God. Amen. Yeah. So, dear friends, we're looking in Romans chapter 9 this evening, and we're saying that Israel's unbelief has not caused God's Word to fail. Israel has unbelieved in the, been unbelieving in the past, and we've looked at these different examples, the days of the judges, the days of the worshiping the golden calf, the days of Elijah when he felt like he was the only one. And so now, though, Paul, like so abruptly, in verse 9, he says, At this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he's like, Oh, I'm done with Abraham and Sarah. <laughs> verse 10, he says, And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, so he's like, he's like, switch. Yeah. I'm not talking about Abraham anymore. I'm talking about Isaac. I'm not talking about Sarah anymore. I'm talking about Rebecca. Mm-hmm. So, in the birth of Jacob, we see that God's election was not based on personal merit. Whereas in the birth of Isaac, God's election was not based on natural descent, Mm -hmm. but by promise. Isaac was the child of promise. But in the birth of Jacob, his his choosing was just purely God's elective choice. Mm -hmm. So why is that, Esther? What does God's choosing of Jacob over Esau demonstrate regarding God's sovereign election? So in life, many of us, like, we rebel because often we don't trust, um, you know, God's choices in our lives. Mm-hmm. So, but in this case, we today are actually receiving the benefits of God's correct and wise decision in choosing Jacob over Esau. Mm-hmm. It's a strong, it's stronger actually than, um, in terms of proof of divine election than God choosing Isaac over Ishmael, like you just said. But, Jacob and Esau, they were twins. Mm-hmm. They're legitimate children of the same father and mother, mm-hmm. Isaac and Rebekah. Yeah. But whereas Ishmael was not the legitimate son of Abraham. So mm-hmm. in our heads, it yeah. actually makes sense, right? right. Like, okay, God made a good choice, right? <laughs> yeah. But 
It says in First Peter one two, the Apostle Paul, all Christian, all true Christians, and of course Jacob over Esau, we were elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Mm-hmm. So God was uh, Jacob was chosen as the promised seed before he was born. So before I, either Jacob or Esau had done any good things, right? Verse 11 says, before they had done any good or evil, mm. Jacob was chosen. Mm. Mm-hmm. So Jesus could not have been born through both. So God had to choose, and God chose Jacob. And it was not based on his works, like Pastor said, but according to the good pleasure of his will. And that's um, stated in Ephesians 1.5. So what Ephesians 1.5 says, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Mm. And it's simple as that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that is amazing. I mean, when these two boys were f- duking it out yeah. in Rebecca's <laughs> <The> womb. womb. <laughs> they started fighting early. Yeah. I mean, they didn't even wait till they came out. They were just, they were like wrestling away in, in poor Rebecca's womb. She's yeah. like, what's going on? Why is this <laughs> happening to me? What's going on? The Lord said to her, you got two nations in your womb. We're going to mm-hmm. be fighting mm-hmm. for a long time. Yeah. Basically, is what he said. Two nations are in your womb. Two manner of people. Mm. Two different people yep. shall be separated from your bowels. The one people shall be stronger than the other people, mm. and the elder shall serve okay. the younger. Mm-hmm. So that's what Paul is quoting here, that the elder will serve the younger in that even from the womb, right? God chose Jacob, Jacob mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. Esau. Yeah. Well, I also think it's interesting how God's choice, his sovereign election, it was different than man's choice. You know, because I look back at Genesis twenty five twenty eight, which says, And Isaac loved Esau because he mm-hmm. did eat of the venison, right. but Rebekah mm-hmm. loved Jacob. So it doesn't get any more clear than that. Isaac, who himself was God's sovereign choice, we've been talking about, he chose Esau mm-hmm. because Esau yeah. was the hunter. He right. was more of a manly man. Mm-hmm. He was the firstborn, and his father preferred him, but that was not God's choice. Mm-hmm. We saw something similar with God choosing King David. Remember, Samuel the prophet had gone to the house of Jesse, and Jesse brought out all of his sons for Samuel to choose from, and he didn't even consider David a choice. It wasn't until Samuel asked, wait, do you have any more sons? You know, And then finally mm-hmm. they went and got David. So it just shows us how God's election is different mm-hmm. than what man's mm-hmm. election would be. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, getting to Abraham, who did, who did Abraham want to be the seed? Ishmael. Yes. He was yeah. pleading yeah. for God for Ishmael. Yeah. And now we come to Isaac, yeah. and he's like, he's trying to work everything out yeah. so that that the promise would go through Esau. Yeah. But God did not plan for it to be through Ishmael or through Esau. Yeah. God has a way. Mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. has a plan. Mm-hmm. And it was for up for Abraham and then Isaac. They mm-hmm. had to trust God. Yeah. Right. And so for Jewish people today, let's bring it right down to right. here. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a Jewish believer and you've been thrust out of your family and you've been cast aside, and you've been told you're a traitor to the Jewish nation because you believed in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. How could you do that? Well, dear friends, how could you do that? Because Jesus is the promised Messiah Mm -hmm. for the Jewish people and for all the nations of the world. But you just have to trust God that God's plan is going to be worked out, Romans 8, 23, <laughs> that all things will work together mm-hmm. for good Amen. to them who love God, mm-hmm. to them who are the called, to the Jewish person today, to, to whether it was Isaac then, whether it was Jacob then, or whether it's you now. 
You are the called according to his purpose, just as much as Isaac was called and Jacob was called, dear friend. So we have to always trust God. God's plan is going to be worked out. God's word will not fail. His Mm -hmm. promises will not be blown off course. Mm -hmm. Man cannot thwart God. So now we come to this amazing statement Mm -hmm. in Romans chapter 9 and verse 13, where he says, As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Oh, that makes it easy. Now we know why God you chose uh, Jacob and not you just hated Esau, so you just chose Jacob. But they were little babies in the womb. Yeah. Okay, right. so what what is this all about here? Let's let's talk about uh, this, and we're going to start Yvonne with you with this difficult statement. Thank and, you. Yeah, thank you very much for being here and for studying till three thirty in the morning. But we're gonna we're gonna look at this. Jacob have I loved, Esau mm-hmm. have I stated. It's a mm-hmm. difficult statement. Paul is quoting from the book of Malachi, right. chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. But I want to compare this verse, before we look at it another way, mm-hmm. I want to compare this verse to Luke chapter mm-hmm. 14, verse 26. And you mm-hmm. may read those. I think yeah, you want to read them. those verses. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why don't you read Luke fourteen twenty-six and okay. talk about this statement in light of that okay. verse. Okay, Luke fourteen twenty-six says... If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. So, Mm. last night, while I was talking to God, I was like, why me? Okay, number one. But then I thought about this verse and... I take it very personally. I look at my own kids, right? I said, I love my children. Does God mm-hmm. Is God telling me not to hate them in order to love him? No. God is telling me, love me more mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. than I love my own children. Love me. I have to love God more than I love my mother, my father, my brother, my sister, my kids, everyone that I hold dear to. Why? Because without God, I wouldn't have anything. Right. Yes. So, um, with uh, where where did it go? I'm looking for my notes. Okay. For when Jacob, when he says, "When I I love Jacob but hated Esau," it has nothing to do with the human emotions that like we've been talking about about love and hate. Mm-hmm. It had everything to do with God choosing one over the other. That's it. Mm-hmm. I think we like to complicate everything and that's all god was doing he was cho- he chose jacob and through jacob jesus was going to be born that was the whole plan not right. anything else that came on the sides that was it mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's right you know and yeah. um what else oh, man, this so it's not an emotional feeling it's not emotional it's not, we, it's get emotional emotional. Mm-hmm. we get it's emotional we get emotional it was a choosing because, because you know, if, if this means that God hated this individual, just an emotion of hate, what would what, what did we do with God, Romans three sixteen? For God so loved exactly. the world, exactly, and, God's and that not like that, that does include Esau, and it includes all of his his descendants mm-hmm, as yes. well. Mm-hmm. And like you said earlier, like you said earlier, it could have been anybody. 
Right. It, it was either Jacob mm-hmm. or he could have picked someone else. Mm-hmm. But Jesus is going to be born in that line. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, just think of all the babies born mm-hmm. in the world during that period of time. God had to choose one baby mm-hmm. through whom his Messiah would enter into the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And God cho- chose, in his wisdom, mm-hmm. he chose Jacob, Jacob, and not and not Esau. And so, mm-hmm. so in in that sense, he loved and he chose Jacob. Mm-hmm. Right. So, Micah, your understanding of this, yeah, and that's in light. With so, Yvonne, thank you so much, Yvonne. Mm-hmm. By we looked at it in the light of Luke fourteen twenty six. That of course we don't hate our father and our mother. Mm-hmm. We just love God so much as as if we hate everything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But how do you understand this statement as well in its historical context? Yeah, well, I think on the surface, just like Yvonne was saying, it does seem out of character for God. You know, God is the God of love, so how can he hate? But Paul, in this verse, isn't simply talking about an individual person, Esau. He's considering, you know, he's looking at it from God's perspective and considering the course of history and the domino effect that started with Esau. You know, first of all, Esau, Mm -hmm. as an individual, made some mistakes. You know, the very first story of Esau is after he's born, he sells his birthright, his inheritance Mm -hmm. as the firstborn son Mm -hmm. of Isaac. And he sells it to Jacob, his brother, for a bowl of lentils. And it's a big deal because God had made these glorious promises to his grandfather Abraham and his father Isaac. And surely Esau knew those stories as he's growing up. And yet he demonstrated his indifference to those promises Mm -hmm. and his spiritual inheritance by trading them for a meal. You know, Mm -hmm. in the larger context we can see that Esau desired to feed his flesh, and that was more important mm-hmm. than his spirit. Uh, Genesis twenty five thirty four. it even says he despised his birthright. Ultimately, yeah. you know, his actions were a rejection of God. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And despising the birthright goes to the promise of the Messiah. He despised the promise of God to bring a Messiah into the world. And so, again, it, in First Peter chapter 1, it says we're elect according to the foreknowledge of God. And so mm-hmm. God had a complete knowledge of Esau and Jacob, of what they would do. And on that basis, God chose Jacob. And the, it was a good choice. It was the right choice because it speaks of Esau what became a fornicator. Mm-hmm. He was a purely profane or secular man. He was much more concerned about his stomach than anything else. He loved he loved the the meat right and mm-hmm, right. and his, and he, and as well as uh, Isaac was a little bit too but anyway and then for one morsel of meat sold his birthright but yeah. you mentioned mm-hmm. that there was a domino effect yeah. so so what do you mean by a domino effect here yeah so Jacob and Esau their struggle in the womb it continued into adulthood and multi- ultimately it continued with their future descendants numbers twenty it describes how Esau's progeny the Edomites they threatened Israel. Mm-hmm as they were wandering in the wilderness. And then when we get to the kings and the chronicles, it describes how the Edomites continued as adversaries of Israel during the monarchy. And then eventually the Edomites, they even cheered on Babylon as Nebuchadnezzar's armies destroyed Jerusalem. I'll read one verse. Psalm 137.7 says, Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it, meaning destroy it, even to the foundation thereof. And ultimately, when we get to the story of Jesus Christ, we read how Herod the Great, who was a descendant of Esau, he killed all the male babies Mm -hmm. in Bethlehem. And then his son, Herod Antipas, he even played a pivotal role in Jesus' crucifixion. So since the God of the Bible exists outside of time, he could see that Esau and his descendants from the beginning were going to be anti-God 
and Antichrist. Mm-hmm. And it's in that context that Paul says that God hated Esau. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. God, and, and that verse is from Malachi, which is a thousand years after Esau was born mm-hmm. with the whole context of their history. You should read the book of Obadiah, dear friends, but the music is playing. That means we're almost done. Thank you, Dr. Han, for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Yvonne, get some sleep. I will. <laughs> that would be great. And uh, Micah, as always, great job. Dear friends, visit us at Heritage Baptist Church. We are singing Christmas songs. Yeah. We talked about Christmas songs and how we love our Christmas songs at Heritage Baptist. So come on out this coming Sunday. Then December 17th, we're going to have a special choir presentation, mm-hmm. a little mini cantata, if you will. And we're going to have a, a, a meal as well next this coming Sunday, December 10th. If you like pizza, come on out. I love pizza. And I'm going to actually get a piece of pizza right now, so I'm looking forward to that. But God bless you all. Follow Jesus. He loves you very much. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website, hpcnyc.org. And join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then, rejoice in the Lord.